I always say, always remember where you came from to know where you're going. And I remember growing up where I did in Pueblo, Colorado and in a largely Hispanic population. I remember being in the Navy and the tough, you know, I learned about great technologies like networking and security and telecom. But I also remember scrubbing the floors and wiping the decks and outside hanging off the side of the ships painting. And I always said, I never want to do, I want to do the technology stuff, but I never want to do that again. And for folks that are thinking about, about they can't do it or, or they're, they're concerned, I always went back to that statement of myself. And then I said, guess what? Someone's going to do it. Why not me? Someone's going to do the CIO role. I mean, when they, I can tell you when Rebecca, John Chambers and Chuck Robbins called me that day to tell me I was a CIO, they asked me if I was ready and I was kind of back and forth. I thought there was some joke going on. But then they ultimately said, are you ready, G? And I said, yes, I'm ready. They said, well, we're ready to tell you that you're the CIO at Cisco. And it's like, whoa, every, you know, I mean, we're talking about Cisco. I mean, I grew up, I went to the Navy and I learned at 18 years old networking. So it's like the, the kid that grew up in the Bronx pitching for the Yankees, right? At Cisco, you're the network guy at the network company. And at that night though, I remember telling myself, and I talked to my admin like for hours, my assistant Tracy, and I was like, man, can I really do this? And I had to go back and say to myself, dude, someone's going to do it. Why not you? And that's what I think people need to think about. Someone's going to do the job. They didn't know the job before they got there but they did it and they learned it and they went through the trials and tribulations. Why not me? Welcome to the Career Nation Show, where you learn the strategies and tools to own and drive your career. Find out more at careertiger.com. Hello and welcome back to the Career Nation Show. Today, we are so lucky to have Guillermo Diaz on the Career Nation show. Fondly known in Silicon Valley as G, he has a storied career. G started his career with the US Navy, where he received military scholarship. He completed his undergrad at Regis University in Colorado. He has been in senior IT leadership positions at Silicon Graphics, Ingram Micro, Johnson & Johnson. After that, he moved to Cisco where he was the chief information officer, successfully leading multiple waves of transformation across the organization. He's now CEO of CloudSpot, a real-time location intelligence AI company. He's also the chairman of Hitech, Hispanic IT Executive Council. We will talk about leadership, about tech, about diversity, his new role, and many other topics. G, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Outstanding. Hey, it, yeah. thank you for making time. And you've been such an incredible well, I like leader. you say G, because we, we kind of go, we have a little bit of rapport so we can 
go way back. I think most people would say Guillermo or Geronimo or something like that. So I always say, if you can't say Guillermo, just say G. So that's right. And thank God I didn't murder your first name, but it's been such a pleasure. And G, I've known over the years, so many people that I personally know have gotten mentorship from you and learned so much from you. And how, how would you describe your approach to leading all those teams? Because, you know, whoever I've talked to, as I was researching for this episode, talks greatly about you and your leadership style. So give us, give us the secret sauce. How do you approach leadership? Well, I think, you know, this is, the, this is a really great question and you use the word leadership. And I think, you know, sometimes people refer to, hey, who's your manager? Well, a manager is, you know, is, is great. You need managers, but you need, if you really are going to drive an impact in the organization, you need to really be a leader. And leaders don't always, don't, leaders are not always managers. Right? Leaders could be somebody that is, you know, a technology leader. So from my perspective, you know, first of all, I'm really happy to hear what you said when you did your research and people have good things to say. That makes me be happy and hopefully I touch people along the way. But I really break it down into really three things. I kind of think about things in threes. So the first one that I think about when I think about leadership is something that I call ROI. And when you think about ROI, you right away you go to a return on investment because that's kind of what we want. Yeah. But when I think about ROI, I do think about our return on investment, but I think about relationships over issues. And when you invest in the relationships, the returns on those investments, when issues arise, are exponential. And as you know, I mean, you know, I leading ultimately a $50 billion business from a technology and operations perspective, there's going to be issues every day. That's why we come to work. Other way they call it something else like fun, but, but those issues arise every day. But when you have those relationships and you've invested time in that, then you can resolve issues quickly. And that's, I think, really, really important. So ROI then turns into ROI, return on investment. So you're investing the time. And so the, the relationships turn into really exponential, you know, opp opportunities and exponential, you get things done faster. I think the other thing is something that I call the power of three. And the power of three, because sometimes people go, hey, gee, you know everybody. You know everybody's name. And then I turn to my assistant. She's like, oh, yeah, right. But I have a formula, right? And at some point along the way, I've known something about someone like, hey, I know about their family. I always ask, how's your family? What you know? I always try to pick you know, things that your son's soccer or whatever it is. The other thing is, what are you doing now? What are you working on? What are you, what are you dealing with today? But also important is what are your aspirations? So knowing something about them that really touches their heart, knowing what they're working on that touches their brain and knowing their aspirations that brings it together. And at some point I'll remember their name. I'll remember something about them that gets me to that point. 
And then I think the third last piece is I always, always start from a notion of I have your back. And when I have your back, don't give me a reason to not have your back, right? When, when if people feel that you have their back, they will have your back. And it just, you know, it's just that, that kind of going back to the original point about relationships and threading it through to the, to the work environment. I think it makes, makes it a lot easier to go to work every day. Right. I love that. And the ROI formula, the power of three and the fact that you have their back, I'm sure people gravitate towards you. They want to work with you. They want to work for you. And I love that concept and it's something that is very practical and it works. And uh, thanks for, thanks for sharing that G and, and, you know, sometime back, and this is probably a couple of months back, you'd made a great point about mentorship versus sponsorship. And we just talked about, you know, who's your manager type right. of thing. And yeah, right. managers are important. Yeah. And as we grow in our careers, uh, mentorship is important. Sponsorship is important. And share with us sort of your perspective on this. Where, where are you, how do you see these things? Well, I think it's, it even goes a step further into like what a manager does. A coach, they coach you, right? They talk to you, right? I'm going to talk to you. I'm coaching you. And the mentor talks with you. Like, let's find out about what you like your aspirations what do you want to do and they've probably been down that road before so you can get some good advice and what i think you were referring to we were i was at a, an event it was actually last year it was a salesforce comp representation matters event mm. i was i was sharing the stage with some really great people that you know and what i said was the mentor you know, there was a, there was a conversation about mentor versus sponsor and said, the mentor talks with you because they've probably been down this road, but the sponsor talks about you. And this is a really important point mm. because the sponsor is someone that talks about you, that, uh, that talks to others about, yes, G should be promoted or G should have this opportunity. And I'm willing to throw my badge on the table. I'm willing to put my name on the table because I believe so much in G or believe so much in this person that I think they, they should have this opportunity. But what I also said was the flip side is true. And, and I have this, I have a, a few sponsors that have been sort of my guideposts throughout my career, but because they threw their badge on the table, you also have a dual responsibility, meaning that I better deliver. If, if someone's going to say, Hey, G should be promoted. And then I go and screw it up. Then that doesn't look good on them. And it, it tarnishes their credibility. So I always made sure that if someone's going to, that I'm going to pick a sponsor that if they are putting their badge on the table that I also needed to deliver. So when you pick a sponsor, it's a dual responsibility. Even a mentor, 
but especially a sponsor because these people are willing to put their badge on the line, right? Yeah, I love that point about dual responsibility that someone's going to vouch for you as a sponsor. Yeah. And then it's basically your job to deliver on that expectation of that sponsor that you'll do a great job. You'll never let someone down. Yeah. And I gave an example in that context was, you know, one of my, you know, the person I reported to at the time, I gave the example of, he told me, gee, they're, they're presenting an opportunity to you. You may not think so right now, but this is going to accelerate your career. And I was comfortable in my, you know, my you know, running the infrastructure area of Cisco. And, and, I, and it was really about going to the business side. And, and when I went there, finally I made a decision after a kick, I went there and I learned that I didn't know IDKS, I didn't know you know, that you can fill yep. in the blank. Mm -hmm. But the person that told me that was, was a guy named Lance Perry. And Lance said, gee, you have to go do this. And you're, because you're going to be my boss one day. And I'm like, you know, blah, blah, you know, and, you know, fast forward, I ultimately became, because I did different roles across the technology and operations organization, I ultimately became the CIO and Lance was on my direct team. And so, so he had the foresight and the sponsorship and willingness to put his badge on the line to push me to a role because he believed in me. And that's going back to the original points about ROI. I had a great relationship. He, we knew about each other and he had my back and I had his back. And all along the way, I always said, even to this day, I tell him still, I will not let you down. You have nothing, he has nothing to do with what I'm working on today. He's in fact, he's, he's, he's retired, but, but if I publish something, we just won an award for our company cloud spot. He's the first one on there saying, I'm so proud, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, so that, that ongoing relationship lasts beyond the, 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 the walls of Cisco or any other company, right? And that's, I think, sponsorships last lifetimes. Wow. Gee, there are so many nuggets in that statement. I would love to unpack. I do want to talk about CloudSpot. Yeah. There's one thing in there that you mentioned that you took up an opportunity where you were maybe not 100% sure if you could do that. And there's a lot of folks that are sort of caught in this situation, which is, hey, I'm being offered a different role, or I want to take an X, Y, or Z opportunity, but I'm not 100% sure if I'll be able to do that or not. Yeah. How, how does one overcome that? How have you overcome that? and become so successful and successfully not only took on that role, but exceeded expectations and did really well. Well, there's that, there's that saying that says, be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I had to kind of learn that for myself. And I had to get a few kicks from, from my sponsors. But, you know, I always, you know, and, and, and maybe it's, it's a quote, I always say, always remember where you came from 
to know where you're going. And I remember be growing up where I did in Pueblo, Colorado and in a largely Hispanic population. I remember being in the Navy and, and, and the tough, you know, I learned about great technologies like networking and security and telecom. But I also remember scrubbing the floors and wiping the decks and outside hanging off the side of the ships painting. And I always said, I never want to do, I want to do the technology stuff, but I never want to do that again. And for folks that are thinking about, about they can't do it or, or they're, they're concerned, I always went back to that statement of myself. And then I, I said, guess what? Someone's going to do it. Why not me? Someone's going to do the CIO role. I mean, when they, I can tell you when Rebecca, John Chambers, and Chuck Robbins called me that day to tell me I was a CIO, they asked me if I was ready. And I was kind of back and forth. I thought there was some joke going on. But then they ultimately said, are you ready, G? And I said, yes, I'm ready. They said, well, we're ready to tell you that you're the CIO at Cisco. And it's like, whoa, every, you know, I mean, we're talking about Cisco. I mean, I grew up, I went to the Navy and I learned at 18 years old networking. So it's like the, the kid that grew up in the Bronx pitching for the Yankees, right? At Cisco, you're the network guy at the network company. And at that night though, I remember telling myself, and I talked to my admin like for hours, my assistant Tracy, and I was like, man, can I really do this? And I had to go back and say to myself, dude, someone's gonna do it, why not you? And that's what I think people need to think about. Someone's gonna do the job. They didn't know the job before they got there, but they did it and they learned it and they went through the trials and tribulations. Why not me, right? Brilliant. Someone's going to do the job. Why not you? I love it. <laughs> G, tell us about CloudSpot. Tell us, tell us about your role. Why did you take up this role? What's, what's special about CloudSpot? Yeah, so, so why did I join CloudSpot and what is it? So, so first of all, you know, after being at Cisco for 20 years, what I did know that I would, I wanted to do something in the area of entrepreneurship. I wanted to basically help build something up from pretty much from scratch, either in you know, as a startup company or in the capital development area. Mm -hmm. But, but why, why CloudSpot is I had, you know, there was a, a group of folks that left Cisco in about 2016, 2017 and started this company called Spot. About, you know, art, you know, it was really about location intelligence, as you said earlier. Location intelligence meets AI because we're able to now be able to you know, consume large amounts of data from IoT devices or sensors, you know, whether that's a camera, whether that's a, an access point as other sensors CO2, whatever it is, we're able to pull that data into our platform and contextualize it. So we want to know about Abhijit, right? Is like, so I know he's walked into the building. He's, I know his location, 
but what else do I know about him? What do I need to know about him? And what does he want us to know about him? But how do we get contextualize it so that we can then you know derive you know what what is the situation and how do we predict what he wants to experience and what should we serve up to him in terms of experience, in terms of safety, in terms of you know how to guide him through where where we want him to be or what we want him to do next. And so that location intelligence meets IoT meets AI to do the prediction. That's what CloudSpot is. And and why I went there was I had already sort of, you know, the, many, the, some of these folks had actually worked for me at Cisco when they left. And, and so I had a rapport there. I was already sort of advising and investing. And they, they asked me, it's like, hey, gee, you know, we, you know, we would love for you to run this company. And, you know, I thought I, I actually didn't think about it very long because I knew what I wanted to do. And, and I knew, I knew about these people. I had relationships with them, but more importantly, I love the technology. Because if you think about, think about this minority, if you remember the movie, Minor, Minority Report. Yeah, of course. That was like early 2000s. But if you remember, Tom Cruise would, would move things around. He would see, okay, here's what's happening. Here, here's all this intelligence coming in from all this, these sources. And now I could put it all together and predict what's gonna happen before it happens. And that's why I joined CloudSpot because that's what CloudSpot, that's our vision is to be able to to gather this data, to bring it in, contextualize it, and maybe not, you know, I mean, not do exactly minority report, but but along those lines is predicting, you know, things like how do I give you a better experience in this world of COVID and in, in this new world is how do I ensure when you go to a venue that you feel safe? Are you, you know, are you walking into a venue that you know that the capacity is only 40%? Are people wearing their PPEs because of facial recognition and things that I can, I can visualize? How do I know the movement? Are people congregating in, in too tight of space? And how do, I, how do I easily present to them, hey, you should be like moving, you know, social distancing, how do I give them the, the data to do that? Those are all things that we, we provide in the platform. So it's kind of minority report uh, back to the future, right? And that's what, what, I, what I really loved about the technology. And there's some really cool things that we have on the horizon that, that really deal with this physical world meets virtual world that will will really, I think, are, is going to, are going to blow people's minds. Gee, that sounds super exciting. And quite frankly, it sounds like the next evolution from a technology standpoint as well. And the fact that the, your platform is able to ingest all of this data, make predictions, help people, especially in these COVID times, even though we have a vaccine on the horizon, it's still, it's going to be some time before we get back to quote unquote normal. 
whatever that normal ends up being, we, we don't know yet. And it sounds like your, your team and your platform is positioned really nicely to basically help customers, maybe even help governments and organizations to basically do more or better location of awareness and drive these things in a way that provides more safety, more compliance, more intelligence in the space. And so are you, are you guys, you should come and sell for us. You just nailed it. <laughs> well, I think, you know, to your point is, so the world, like, think about this, right? Last year at this time, if we were having this conversation, we probably wouldn't, maybe we wouldn't even be doing it on a Zoom, right? We may be doing it together in a studio, or we might just even be across from each other. The reality is, is that most of the world is doing what we're, what we're doing here, not just on an interview, but on just a daily conversation. So, so, the, so in my mind, the world won't be for at least for a long time, if not ever, won't be what we, what we knew it one year ago today. I also believe that the world won't be for hopefully not very much longer, but maybe a little bit longer, won't be what we experience today, which is the remote, you know, almost 100% remote. The world, I believe, will be hybrid. And so somewhere in the middle is where, where I think the world will live. And that's actually why I think why what we've learned is why we exist is is if we were 100% normal, then, you know, people wouldn't really, I don't know if people would really care, you know, maybe in marketing and retail the, and events management. But at the same time, if you're 100% remote, you keep maybe not, not need all the things that we just talked about. But somewhere in the middle, if I'm managing capacity, if I'm thinking about you know, safety and security of, of not just people going into retail or coming into the office, but think about schools. So a lot of schools are coming to us saying, how do we make sure that the parents feel that the students that are going back to school are safe? And how do I show them, right? And how do I, you know, it, again, we may not have 100% capacity back in the schools. So how do we configure the, you know, the, the, the days that kids go to school. Maybe you go on Monday and Wednesday and Judy goes on Tuesday and Thursday. But then when you get there, it's like, oh wait, but, but the, the, the lunch hours, you can't have everybody go to the lunch room at the same time. So maybe you stagger and you get, you get the, the analytics and the insights to say, well, wait, if we send cohort A from 11 to 11.30, cohort B from 11.45 to 12.30 and so on, then you could start to make better decisions about whether it's, whether it's a, a retail environment, whether it's a government, as you said, whether it's an office space or education. That's, that's a lot of, that, that's where the world will probably sit right there in that middle somewhere and that's, that would be, that's actually, we're well positioned for that. Gee, you know, thank you for articulating that 
that hybrid world. And thanks for sharing sort of where we are going to land likely and how CloudSpot is in a very practical position to actually help uh, those customers. And speaking of a different world, I wanted to get your thoughts on diversity. And you've been a champion over the years. And you and I, we, when we were at Cisco and you, you were a diversity champion, you quite frankly are running high tech as well, mm -hmm. which is the Hispanic IT Executive Council. And you've been at the forefront of this conversation for so many years. And how, how important is this topic to you? And where do you see the importance of diversity as you look at everything else that's currently going on? And how, how important is this topic for all of us? No, I think it's, it's extremely important. If you just think about the just, you know, 2020 hit us like a ton of bricks, not just the COVID piece, the Corona, right? When I rang in the new year last year, Corona meant a whole different thing, right? But what we learned along this year was the whole, that whole issue around, you know, whether it's BLM, whether it's, you know, it's, it's whether you think about it as racial injustice or racial justice, or however you think about it, it's become like top of mind. It's, it's, it's now part of every CEO's sort of agenda or discussion. And, you know, to your point, when, you know, why am I so passionate about it? I still remember when I got out of the Navy, I was the, you know, I'd learned technology. I'd learned what about this thing called networking and telecommunications and security. And when I got out, I landed in this place called Silicon Valley. And in Silicon Valley, I looked, you know, I, when I got out, I looked around and it was like, I don't see anybody that's brown like me of at least of Hispanic descent that is in tech. And it was a lonely experience. Luckily, you know, some people took a chance on me and, but I always remember what it felt like. It was like, and, and I said to myself, I always want to do something so that someone else doesn't feel the way that I did. Mm. And how do I bring up the next one and the next one and the next one? And that's why like in Cisco in early, in early 2000s, we had launched an ERG called Conexión, which is the Hispanic organization. And shortly after, because I was also a veteran, we, was also, we also built up a veterans ERG, an employee resource group. And I was also helping others like the, you know, the, 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 the Black Employee Network Group at Cisco. And, you know, I advised the Asian co cohort to build up their network and so forth. So pretty soon it became, you know, uh, it, it became a, a broader thing. And, and it was really important for me going back to though my roots is like, I, I, I have to not just, not just try to be an example, but my purpose felt like I needed to help bring the next one up so that they don't feel the way that I felt when I got out of the Navy. And so that's why it's important to me. That's why I'm still very engaged. I'm the chair of high tech, which is the Hispanic IT executive council, as you said that has probably all the major companies, Cisco, AWS, Amazon, 
Google, you name it, all the financial institutions are sponsors of high tech. And it, we, we, do, we measure the market cap, market capitalization uh, of our sponsors. And it's $12 trillion of, of the, luckily you have Apple and you, you have a, a lot of these guys that make up a good chunk of that. But, but I mean, so, so really connecting with the, with, with those, those corporations, those institutions, and, and not just making it a project inside being inclusion and diverse diversity is a project or a initiative, but part of the culture. It's got to be part of the culture, right? It's amazing, G, that you and leaders like yourself are doing so much to improve the situation and improve the diversity quotient in all of these great companies and the market cap is staggering. Are there some practical things that everybody can do to contribute to this? Of course, probably part of this is maybe remove our own internal biases. And quite frankly, everyone has biases with some people have more of it. Some people have less biases, you know, and, and is, are there things that we all can contribute towards having better diversity and having quite frankly, a more sort of a stronger and better representation of the workforce that enables more equality and quite frankly, systemically, we kind of get rid of this, especially from a corporate standpoint. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, I, I, I think even having an inclusion and diversity uh, initiative is, is a start, but it's, it can't be just, oh, I'm measuring the, the metrics and I'm going to measure everyone. It's got to be embedded in the culture and it starts at the top. And, you know, the good news is a lot of the CEOs that I've, I've seen are now, it's part of the agenda and it's part of the board conversation. It's not just like, hey, we're creating a project down in the, in the, in the ranks. I would say there's, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. You know, what we learned at Cisco was the establishment of employee resource groups to really create, you know, just that inclusivity, just that mindset of, hey, you know, there is, and, and supporting them. Because I think part of that, that, that issue around, it just, it's just an agenda item or it's a, an initiative is like, oh, we'll give you, you know, $2,000 every year. It's like, no, it's like, we need to make sure that those people that, that, you know, people of color, underrepresented communities, all the different, you know, gender diversity, all of these things are, are real. And they're, it's not just a, you know, a check the box thing. It's part of the culture. So, you know, I think, I think, you know, leveraging ERGs, you know, making it part of the culture, I think just, you know, when you're interviewing, don't just say, oh, I interviewed someone of color. It's like, make the organization look like the world we want it to be, right? And that's what we did, we're doing at CloudSpot, by the way, even, even down into, I, I just, you know, brought on some, some, some uh, work study students from the Cristo Rey Academy. And these students are from East San Jose. 
that are Hispanic students. We have some students that are coming on in India and in South Africa. So we're, you know, and, and by the way, I, we, can't, we can't afford that. But, you know, what, however we're doing, we're going to slice off a portion of our little, of the money, little money that we have, and we're going to make our organization look like the world we want to be in, right? Yeah, as, as Gandhi said, be the change that you want to be, want to see in the world. I love it, G. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing that you're not only leading by example, you're helping via high tech and ERGs, but you're setting an example through your company as well. Highly commendable. And quite frankly, it's a great example to follow. G, how about we shift gears a little bit into some lighter topics? Okay. And we get to know you a little bit through a game that we play with every single guest on the show. It's called the favorites game. Are you ready for the game? Yeah, I'm ready. Awesome. So favorites game is basically, well, I'll ask you a question about your favorite things and you got to share your favorite things and why do you like that favorite thing so much? Okay. Sounds good. All right. First question, G, what's your favorite app? <laughs> you know, I, you kind of gave me a little nugget there. I was thinking about this and I was like, what is my favorite app? And I have a pattern and, and I do this pattern probably 10 times a day. But if I were saying I had a favorite app, I don't know that I could point to one, but I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll create an acronym for my pattern. My pattern is called Lyft. Mm. I go to LinkedIn. I go to Instagram, I go to Facebook and I go to Twitter and I do it constantly, right? Cause I, I'm, I'm, I'm a social, my wife says I'm a social butterfly and you know, I'm an ex extreme extrovert, but I'm also a social butterfly on, on the tech side. So I don't know that I can point to one, but I would say Lyft, Li LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And I'm not going to say I spend more time on Facebook because then people will say, oh, he's just an old dude, right? <laughs> oh, of course. Oh, we'll check your TikToks later, G. <laughs> my, my, my kids are like, dude, why are you still on Facebook? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> because your friends are there. <laughs> my friends are there. <laughs> exactly. Lyft is oh. a favorite app. Love, love the Lyft example. It's a, it's a great acronym. I like, I like the system you're putting here, G. Acronyms, rules of threes. Uh, I'm going to use some of this here. Next question is, what's your favorite quote? Something that you live by or something that you would like to see on the billboard on Highway 101 or 680 in our case? So, well, I like to use mine, which I always use. Always remember where you came from to know where you're going. And I talked a little bit about it earlier, so I won't say it again, but I always remember where I, where I come from. Cause I know that, yes, I love it. I love where I'm from, but I also know what I didn't want to do again. Right. But the one that I, and I actually have carried this card with me and it's, and it's people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Right. And there's, and I'm going to show you this card. Like that's the card that I carry. It's an ACE. That's my ACE. 
People don't know. People, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, and that goes back to kind of like the, all of the things and the fundamentals that we talked about earlier about relationships and, and, and leading with not just your brain, but your heart, and then connecting those two things. Amazing. I love that. I love that G. I'm going to actually put a picture of that on our social media feed as well with you. G, what's your favorite book? My favorite book is the one that I always kind of always go back to because there's a formula in this book and it's called the speed of trust. I don't know if you ever heard the speed of trust. It's um, Stephen M. Covey. This is the son, right? And I met him and when I had a good chat with him, he talked about speed of trust is when you have trust, speed, you know, costs go down and speed goes up. And when you have lack of trust, costs go up and speed goes down. So, so that was a really eye opener. And I talked to him about ROI and he says, that's it. Speed of trust, right? When I can pick up the phone and call you and get shit done, then that's speed of trust. And then I also have to say that you now I got my John Chambers connecting the dots. This I always, that's my go-to because I've learned so much from the guy. So, but speed of trust and connecting the dots. Love it. And we'll put those in our show notes as well, G. And let's go to our next one, which is your favorite food. Favorite food is Mexican. I, I have to deal with my, my heritage. I, I can't, you know, I have to have my, my Mexican food at least a couple times a week. I like Japanese food, but Mexican is my, is my go-to. Is there a G flavor, special sauce salsa or something that you prepare? Do you cook G? No. Yeah, you, you got me there. <laughs> I will, I will say that is not a skill that I have. My wife's in Hawaii right now. So I, tr I tried to do a few dishes and I do okay, but it's nothing, nothing that I would, would feed anyone else. <laughs> but somebody has to be on the other side to appreciate all the great food. So that's the skill. That's right. That's the skill I have. That's right. Last question on our favorites is your favorite music. Favorite music is anything Latino, anything Hispanic. And I grew up with, you know, R&B kind of, you know, sort of dance music kind of, kind of thing. It goes back to all, I, I'm Latino up and down. So that kind of music just you know, gets me going. Outstanding. Gee, it was so fun to know you a little bit better. And so tell us a little bit more about the G secret sauce. So for example, you know, as we talk about work and careers, you know, you're, let's say you're preparing for a big product launch at CloudSpot, or if you're preparing for a major customer presentation or a new release, sort of how would you like, how do you like to work and sort of marshal your resources and get ready for something that's big, worthwhile? How, how do you, how do you do that? What's, what are, do you have an approach that you like to use? Yeah, I do. And, and I always, you know, I'm, I'm very 
customer experience obsessed, right? So I always look at, you know, and I go and study, you know, what, do, what does the customer ultimately want from what we're delivering? And I try to find some nuggets in that. And it really goes back to experience. But a lot of times, as you know, when you're, when you're getting ready to launch or you're getting ready to do a big transformation and, and flip the switch or, or do a release or put something into production, there's always issues, right? There's always issues at the end. So first of all, you try to, you all, you, you, I mean, you know, this goes back to leadership versus, you know, someone that's like a manager. The leader will go, hey, you know what? I remember, and we just had one of these. I'll give you an example. I yep. told guys, I know it's hard right now. We're all exhausted. But I remember there was a time at Cisco, and I remember there was a time in, in one of our largest releases ever that I felt that, that I felt, how are we going to do this? There is no way we're going to be able to deliver this. And guess what? We did. And now I look back at that and I laugh and I'm like, you know, man, I rem that was such a fun time, right? It was such a hard time, but now it's such a fun time. But guess what? In two years, when we look back and we're this big corporation, we're going to look back at this moment and we're going to say, holy smokes, remember that fun time that we had at that release when we were all together on the phone or in person and we were eating food and we had, you know, and such and such spilled a punch bowl all over the place. And remember that when we were in that and, and, and then people will laugh and we'll look back on that as a learning experience and we'll look back to it as something that brought us together so in the heat of the moment in the in the tough times you kind of have to put yourself out there because you can easily say god how are we going to get this done come on you got to go do this and that doesn't help anybody right because there's always going to be issues with things of, of you know anything that's worthwhile and you have to just know that if you're going to be a leader, you have to lead from the front. You have to take a few arrows. You have to make sure that you have people's back when stuff hits the fan. And you have to build those. You have to leverage the relationships because issues are going to happen. Right? Love it. And comes back to ROI and leveraging those relationships. And watching your back. Right. This is phenomenal, G. As we wrap up here, any additional advice that you would like to share with Career Nation in terms of helping this audience with their career success being more successful professionally? I think that that is a great question because I think right now a lot of people are thinking, what is the world going to be like in 2021? And, and, you know, throughout 2020, I kept asking myself that question and I kept looking for ways. I said, you know what, when there's, when there's challenges, there's opportunities. 
And I think there's, there's going to be even more opportunities this year. The world won't be what we knew it last year at this time, but I also believe that the world won't be like what it is today. So somewhere in the middle, you need to find your hybrid opportunity. And that means that you, that things are, you're just, you're gonna have to look for what are the things that I'm going to change? What are those things that are going to, that are going to define me in 2021? So I always say change will happen by us, with us, or to us. And last year it happened to us. This year, let's make change happen by us and with us. And I think that's the, the message I would, I would send is you're going to find great opportunity with, with, with the challenges ahead, but someone's going to do it. Why not you? Someone's going to do it. Why not you? G, thank you so much. I'm sure people would love to get in touch with you, follow you. What's the best way to get in touch with you? LinkedIn, Twitter, where are you at? Lift. <laughs> Lift. Uh, so LinkedIn, Twitter, I'm at GGDSJR. So at GGDSJR. And then, by the way, you didn't mention one more, which actually I should have added on here. My Peloton ID. So there's a lot of Peloton'ers out there. My Peloton ID is DI Big G I. T-A-L, digital. So if you want, if you want to, if you want to hit me up on Peloton, I'm digital. Fair warning to everybody who want to hit up G and compete with G. Don't, don't compete with G. Never compete with G. G, thank you again so much. You're a super busy guy. At the same time, you're a generous leader and you care so much about the topics that are making a difference to this world. Change has happened to us in 2020, but now we will make positive change in 2021. Thank you again and for being so generous with your time. Thanks for having me.